Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is Sirius XM Progress. I'm John Fugelsang. Thank you, Public Enemy and Flava Flav, my new favorite national anthem singer of all time. We are at 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT. For the next three hours, we got a packed show. Uh, there's a lot of fun to be had. There is also a lot we have to get to. Uh, what a messy, messy, messy day in the world and here in America. So glad you're with us. Uh, David Rothkopf's going to join us later on in the show to talk all about BB Netanyahu and Mike Johnson. Two names I'm kind of sick of already, but we will be hearing for quite a while. Also, journalist Nitha Khan is going to join us in hour two to talk about the price Joe Biden is paying for his support of Israel with the Muslim Americans who helped propel him to victory in 2020. The big question is, how will people be feeling a year from now? And let me just tell you, we got a great show. Chris Housel's our executive producer. Great Thea Harper is running this thing out of Brooklyn. I come to you from Manhattan. Thanks, everybody, for uh, watching the Sexy Liberal Show. If you didn't get to see it, it was really fun. Hal Sparks and Frangela were great. Ron Perlman uh, was fantastic. It was great being on stage with uh, with all those great people again. Um, and you can see it at SexyLiberal.com. Still pick up the pay-per-view. Also this Friday, November 3rd at Lionsgate Comedy in the Berkshires, Stockbridge, Massachusetts. I'll be doing two shows with our friend Kevin Bartini, 7 o'clock and 9 p.m. The 7 o'clock one is already sold out. You can get all the details for that on my social media or on Kevin's. Sexy Liberals coming to San Francisco. In the month of January, we will also be playing in Chicago in August, right before the big convention. 102, sorry, 101 years ago today, Benito Mussolini became the fascist prime minister of Italy. And today is Halloween. Happy Halloween to you. I hope you had a good one. I just came back from taking a child all over New York City on a very cold night. But it's the birthday of the late John Candy, Jane Pauley, Stephen Ray, Peter Jackson's birthday today. Happy birthday to Larry Mullen Jr. of U2, to the great Johnny Marr. Uh, it's the birthday of Vanilla Ice, because <laughs> of course it is. A happy 92nd birthday to one of our favorite guests, Mr. Dan Rather. It's also the birthday of another one of our favorite guests, Academy Award nominee Sally Kirkland. It was 53 years ago today, Michelle Phillips of the Mamas and Papas married actor and director Dennis Hopper. Halloween 1970. That marriage lasted eight days. Poof. Today was a messy one. The Michigan AG's office formally has ended the investigation into the Flint water crisis, targeting the former governor and other officials. Zero convictions were achieved. They poisoned the people, but the people were poor 
the people were black, no one will be going to jail for poisoning them. Israeli missiles struck what the IDF says was a Hamas stronghold, but it happened to be at a refugee camp. The IDF claims it killed a Hamas leader and several dozen Hamas fighters. The Palestinian Health Ministry claims several hundred civilians were also killed in this attack, and protesters disrupted a Senate hearing with the Secretary of State screaming for an immediate ceasefire to the Israeli-Gaza conflict. We'll be talking all about that. It was, my friends, 55 years ago today... U.S. President Lyndon Johnson ordered a halt to all U.S. bombing of North Vietnam. And it was on this date, 97 years ago today, magician Harry Houdini died of gangrene and peritonitis that developed after his appendix ruptured. Houdini famously had such strong abdominal muscles, he could take a punch to the gut and be fine. A couple of college students visited him after a show and asked if that was true in the dressing room. He replied it was, but before he had a chance to tense his abdominals, one of the students, a large boxer, punched him as hard as he could right in the gut. And several days later, that's what killed Houdini. And yes, it's not an old wives' tale. He really died on Halloween. Hope you've had a good Halloween. You know, Halloween comes from a, a, a Celtic Druid celebration that marked summer's end. It was called Soween which means end of summer, and it combined the Celts' harvest and New Year festivals held in late October and early November by people in what is now Ireland, Great Britain, and, and elsewhere throughout Europe. The Celts also saw Samhain as a fearful time, when the barrier between the worlds of living and dead broke and spirits walked the earth, causing all sorts of mischief. Around 1000 AD, the church made November 2nd All Souls Day, a day to remember the departed and pray for their souls, so together, these three celebrations, All Saints' Eve, All Saints' Day, and All Souls' Day, were called Hallowmas. And the night before came to be called All Hallows' Evening, or All Hallows' Eve, or All Hallows' Eve, eventually shortened to Halloween. That doesn't explain the jack-o'-lanterns, but that's also Irish. When millions of Irish and other Europeans came to America, they brought their traditions, and there was an age-old practice of carrying home embers in a hollowed-out turnip that still burns strong. In an Irish folktale, a character named Stingy Jack once escaped the devil with one of these turnip lanterns. So when the Irish came to America, Jack's turnip sort of evolved into the more easily carved pumpkin, and Stingy Jack's name now lives on in Jack-O-Lantern. There's all the Halloween trivia I have for you, except that there's schools in America right now that are still trying to ban Halloween festivities because the Bible says something somewhere. Let's get to today's news. The Financial Times called for a ceasefire, saying it is time for a humanitarian ceasefire that would ease the suffering of Palestinians and cool regional tensions. Hamas must release all hostages. Benjamin Netanyahu has refused any calls for a ceasefire. Now the Gaza death toll has surpassed 8,300 since October 7th. Across the globe, hundreds of thousands of protesters unite in a demand for an immediate ceasefire to Gaza and an end to the occupation. Those two things would make Israel more safe in the long run. But back at home, there are deep divides on the American left over the Israel-Hamas war, and it's starting to make people very worried about a kind of generational split. People are comparing this to the Vietnam War. You know, uh, the political ramifications for Democrats are pretty scary. Uh, people are saying that everyone's disillusioned and feeling uh, like allies are turning against each other. And I've said a few times, this has happened th really three big times this century so far. The Iraq invasion, Donald Trump's presidency, and now this. 
Top Muslim leaders around our country are saying that Joe Biden has to do more to stop the bloodshed. But America's official position is the same as Israel's. The impetus is on Hamas. Earlier today, Secretary of State Antony Blinken spoke at a Senate hearing on Israel and Gaza on the desperate need to get humanitarian aid into Gaza as soon as possible. Give a listen. Helping prevent a worsening humanitarian catastrophe aligns with our nation's most deeply held principles, including our belief that every civilian life is equally valuable, equally worthy of protection. Without swift and sustained humanitarian relief, the conflict is much more likely to spread. Suffering will grow, and Hamas and its sponsors will benefit by fashioning themselves as the saviors of the very desperation that they created. Humanitarian assistance is also vital to Israel's security. Providing immediate aid and protection for Palestinian civilians in this conflict is a necessary foundation for finding partners in Gaza who have a different vision for the future than Hamas and who are willing to help make it real. There's no military solution to this. And they asked Blinken about calls for a ceasefire, and he made it clear. The U.S. policy will not be changing in the short term. Even as the humanitarian crisis gets worse, even as the Palestinian civilian death toll goes higher and higher. And the Secretary of State was interrupted several times by protesters, some of whom had painted their hands blood red, calling for a ceasefire in Gaza. Here's a, a, some footage of that. This is a number of members of Code Pink calling for an immediate ceasefire. Here's some audio of just one of the many disruptions. Our defense, our diplomacy, our development must work hand in hand. Committee will suspend. And again, I, I appreciate that people feel passionately about these issues. I would ask that you respect our witnesses and our committee members and allow the American people to hear their testimony. We will pause until the room is clear. Thank you, Chair. The Biden administration officials should get very used to hearing more protests like that. And now the Muslim backlash to Joe Biden's growing. Uh, the National Muslim Democratic Council wrote a letter today saying that if uh, Joe Biden didn't push Israel to have a ceasefire by 5 p.m., they would mobilize millions of Muslim voters to withhold donations and votes towards Biden's 2024 re-election. There's a really surprising new poll. The percentage of Arab Americans saying that they will vote for Joe Biden has gone from 59%, which he got in 2020, to now 17%. And the percentage of Arab Americans who identify with the Democratic Party has plummeted from more than 50% to 23%. This could really be a problem for Joe Biden, especially in Michigan. Nitha Khan will join us later tonight to discuss this. Um, meantime, Blinken and Lloyd Austin, defense secretary, who testified next to him, made the case that Israel and Ukraine are both fighting U.S. adversaries with a common destructive goal and ally in Iran. It's not the strongest of arguments, but it is fair. And after the testimony, Blinken went across the Capitol to meet with the new House Speaker, Mike Johnson, who, of course, does not want to help Ukraine because Putin does not want Ukraine helped, which means Donald Trump does not want Ukraine helped. And this is going to be one of the biggest obstacles to keeping our government open 
in a couple of weeks. But to me, it's very simple. Hamas are Nazi terrorists. They don't keep Palestinians safe. Palestinians deserve a free state and control of their own borders. Benjamin Netanyahu is a criminal gangster thug who doesn't keep Israelis safe. And Israeli people deserve peace and security and neighbors who recognize their right to exist. It's not complicated. It doesn't require that much nuance, guys. Maybe I'm wrong, but <laughs> there's no military solution to this. And if it, all the world's religions keep screaming at you that this violence won't work. Now, let's bring it back to Mike Johnson for a second, because this guy, right now, Republicans are looking at this aid package to Israel, 14.3 billion, with a B, billion dollars, 100 million for humanitarian aid, 14.3 billion to Israel. However, Mike Johnson is trying to make his bones by saying we will offset the military aid with cuts to the IRS funding from the Inflation Reduction Act. This is the dirtiest thing any American politician has tried today. Now, again, I just want to give you a quick listen to, to Mike Johnson, because this is how he presents himself. He, he, here he is on Fox with Kaylee McEnany. I know, right? What a, what a summit. How'd you miss that? And he says he, he really wishes people would just take a moment to really understand how deeply his belief system is guided by a very specific, very fundamentalist, very excluding Jesus reading of the Bible. Give a listen. Look, this is a matter of good versus evil. How is it going to be paid for? Um, we're going to be releasing that here shortly. But um, we, we, my intention and my desire in the first uh, draft of this bill is to take some of the money that has been set aside for the IRS, building and bulking up the IRS right now. They have about $67 billion in that fund, and we'll, we'll try to take the 14.5 necessary for this immediate and urgent need. We'll deal with the rest of that issue later. Do you think that will drive away some Democrats in the Senate even or here in the House? It may, but my intention is to call. Uh, Leader Schumer over there and have a very uh, direct and thoughtful conversation about this. I understand their priority is to bulk up the IRS, uh, but I think if you put this to the American people and they weigh the two needs, I think they're going to say standing with Israel and protecting the innocent uh, over there is in our national interest and is a more immediate need than IRS agents. By bulk up the IRS, what he's really saying is Democrats are trying to make the super rich who fund the Republican Party pay their fair share in taxes. And that's it. This is embarrassing and it's fiscally stupid. Let's walk through it because Mike Johnson is working very hard for the wealthiest Americans and the wealthiest Republican donors already. He's trying to condition aid to Israel on slashing that exact same amount from the IRS budget. Because the super rich don't like the fact that Joe Biden had them hire lots of extra agents so they can now collect taxes the super rich owe the rest of us. That's it. They are going to the mattresses to try to protect the wealthiest of Americans. And again, this is to save money, he's saying. But what he's really doing is adding billions and billions to the deficit. He's trying to tie funding for Israel to IRS budget cuts. He's essentially saying you got to choose between the IRS and making the rich pay their fair share of taxes and stop cheating or supporting Israel, one of our top allies. His decision to pair Israel aid with IRS cuts is a pretty good sign of what his whole legislative strategy is going to be. Hypocrisy and bullshit, because another government shutdown looks a lot more likely after the performance he put on today. Now, it's possible he's just terrified. We'll get to that. But by pairing aid for Israel with cutting IRS funding, he's going to make the MAGA caucus really happy. 
because it's stingy and it's stupid. It also guarantees this whole idea is dead on arrival in the Senate if it ever passes the House. It's so dumb, brothers and sisters. Again, in an interview on Sunday on Fox News, he, he said the, the bill for Israel, $14 billion in military aid, in addition to the IRS cuts... <laughs> he denied it was meant to score political points. He said, my intention is not to use this for any partisan political gamesmanship. This is a very serious matter. But guys, when, when Republicans passed their symbolic bill last January, slashing $71 billion from the IRS budget, the CBO reported that if that ever became law, our government would lose $185 billion in tax revenue over a decade. A net loss of $114 billion. It would, because again, if you make the rich pay their share of the taxes and don't let them cheat, and that money goes into the treasury. That's how the system works. Biden hired all these people to work in the IRS so we'd have more federal funds and the rich wouldn't have as, as easy a time to cheat on their taxes. The proposal amounts here to Johnson throwing a bone to the extreme MAGA right wing but it's so incredibly stupid, it would blow up the deficit by over $100 billion. First thing Kevin McCarthy did when he became Speaker last January was move for the House to pass this symbolic bill slashing IRS funding. Even Republicans are saying this is stupid. Mitt Romney said, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. The reason we have IRS is to make sure people pay their taxes. That's our source of revenue. It doesn't matter that funding this tax enforcement yields more revenue down the line to them or the fact that the Democrats control the Senate. They will never approve this. This is a bunch of Republicans in an echo chamber trying to make each other happy. These Republicans are living in a different reality where you can't bring in more money through taxes. And Democrats have no rightful role to do that, even though they got the most votes. I mean, think about it. We'd lose so much money. If you cut $71 billion from the IRS budget, you really cut $185 billion in tax revenue over a decade. I mean, it's great you guys want to seek offsets for new spending, but an IRS cut, instead of costing $14 billion, will cost a $114 billion. You morons. And they know it's true. This guy's just trying to audition. He knows he's doomed. He knows if he does the right thing and keeps the government open, the Matt Gateses will stop loving him. <laughs> that's how it works. And again, McCarthy tried to do this before September. He, he with his government funding had de deadline. He tried to have a Republican only approach and only give the Matt Gates is what they want. And of course, that's never going to happen. So he committed the great sin. He worked with Democrats to keep the government open and Republicans destroyed his job. That is exactly what Mike Johnson is facing right now. These Republicans only have a five seat majority in the House. Mike Johnson can only afford a few defections with his Israel bill. But if this is his first big time in the spotlight and he can't pass a bill out of the House, that's going to make it hard for him to negotiate with the Senate and the White House, just like it happened to Kevin McCarthy. Again, remember, politicians who want to cut IRS funding are politicians who want to help rich people cheat on taxes. And they are politicians who want the deficit to get bigger. We'll have more on the speaker later on and later on more on the speaker's wife and their very creepy Christian counseling services, which compare consensual homosexuality to bestiality. They really do. All I can say is if you're comparing consensual same sex relations to bestiality, you're not a champion of Christian values. You're a creepy guy who thinks a little too much about bestiality. 
We'll be right back with your calls and the great David Rothkopf. We're at 866-997-4748. This is Progress. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Edu slash podcast. Hey everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele Podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real, and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on, because you know I love it when you do. Of all the mistakes made by Netanyahu before Hamas's despicable assault, from attacking Israeli democracy to personal corruption, from embracing Putin to promoting extremists, his strategy of shunting the Palestinians aside has been a catastrophe and has undermined the pop the popular global support Israel might have expected. So says our next guest in a great new piece for Haaretz called This Was Netanyahu's Most Catastrophic Error. David Rothkopf is CEO of the Rothkopf Group, media company that produces podcasts, including the Deep State Radio, which he hosts himself. He's the author of many terrific books, including Traitor, A History of Betraying America from Benedict Arnold to Donald Trump, and his newest book, American Resistance, the inside story of how the deep state saved the nation will make you feel patriotic. It is out now. David Rothkopf, welcome back to Serious XM. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween to you. You write, not only has BB divided the country with the anti-democratic policies and abuse of power that sparked an unprecedented protest movement at home, but today the country faces the prospect of long, costly, possibly escalating, potentially regional conflict. It's amazing to see in Israel how it's no longer just the left or young people doing these protests against him, but all walks of life from the Israeli population. Do you think Americans are starting to get the message about this and realizing that maybe this isn't as black and white as they've been told? I don't know. I, you know, certainly in Israel, within hours of the first reports of the attacks on October 7th, you had very senior uh, military officials, intelligence officials saying that the Netanyahu administration was responsible for leaving the country vulnerable. It had moved troops up near uh, the West Bank to focus on annexations 
Uh, it was not taking seriously threats. It was getting uh, from the south and in and around Gaza. It was focusing on uh, trying to get a deal done with Saudi Arabia um, that would have, frankly, in all likelihood, um, uh, uh, sort of kicked the Palestinians under the bus. They wouldn't have gotten uh, the kind of uh, uh, lift that, uh, yeah. that that some had hoped they were going to get from this. Uh, and, and, you know, all those things uh, help set the stage for this. That's not to say Hamas is not responsible. It's responsible. Totally. Um, but Israel has a huge army, uh, huge intelligence service, and the people expect to be kept safe, and they weren't. And so there's deep anger at Netanyahu for that, deep anger at Netanyahu for dividing the country for the past year over his judicial, quote, reforms uh, and his moves against democracy. Uh, and I think there's a widespread consensus in Israel that within you know months of the end of this, uh, this operation in Gaza, Netanyahu will no longer be the prime minister. The problem in the United States is this is so overheated a moment yes. um, that if you try to bring up some of these things and you sound like you're being critical of the Israelis, you're immediately called an anti-Semite, you're attacked. I mean, and I, you know, as a son of a Holocaust survivor um, uh, and, you know, somebody who is proudly Jewish, I, I find it. You know, it's been it's been a just an absolutely bizarre experience the past few weeks. To have, when I say, let's not kill children of any sort, and people say, "Oh, you're a Hamas sympathizer." That's it. Yeah, and you know, it's insane. So I think we we're in a very overheated moment, um, and it really takes an act of courage to be reasonable. You're right. You know, I, I've been telling people constantly that opposing Hamas doesn't mean you hate Israel or uh, that you hate Muslims or Palestine. Opposing the Netanyahu regime doesn't mean you hate Jews or Israel. Um, opposing the Trump regime doesn't mean that you hate all racists and imbeciles. You know, I mean, people deserve better leadership. But in this case, the parallels to 9-11 are so stark. George W. Bush did not have a world of scandal he was trying to distract from. But he did manage to blow all the goodwill America received after the terrorist attacks of 9-11. Is your concern that in the weeks and months to come, Netanyahu's choices to save his own job by being as brutal as possible in his response will fail to save him his job, but will also deepen the resentment certain parts of the world feel towards Israel? Well, I mean, yes, I also am, you know, concerned that, you know, Netanyahu's desire to keep his job and to look tough and and you've heard him blustering on the past couple of days are, are going to lead to a lot of innocent civilian deaths. Um, and we've already seen that today, and I think that's going to escalate in the weeks ahead. Um, and uh, I don't think, frankly, that the goals that he's laid out are actually achievable goals. You can't eliminate Hamas. There are thirty or forty thousand. You can you can neutralize Hamas. You can get rid of the leadership. You can go after everybody who was involved in those raids. You can blow up its stores of weapons. You can stop it from getting financial support. You can make it irrelevant politically. Um, but if you set the goal too wide and 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 this is something we in the united states can teach them a little bit about 
um, you end up getting blowback. You know, we we went in. Any president of the United States would have gone after Osama bin Laden, yeah. would have gone into Afghanistan to try to eliminate him. But we went into Iraq and, you know, uh, 10 years later and then after 20 years in Afghanistan, there are more terrorists today than there were on 9-11. That's it. Uh, you know, it was, it, it, you know, every time you kill a civilian, according to Stan McChrystal, who was the general who oversaw a lot of our counterinsurgency operations, you create multiple new terrorists. And I think Netanyahu, in an effort to sort of appear strong and try to save himself, is likely to opt for a long war because that prolongs his time in office. Exactly. And and, and is gonna, you know, is gonna opt for overkill because that's his personality. You know, he is he's a terrible person. And at the end of the day, I think one of the things that's very clear here is that the Israeli people and the Palestinian people have in common that they both have been terribly badly served by their governments. Thank you. Exactly right. I mean, you write how many Israeli observers have already argued the prime minister and those closest to him bear great responsibility for the conditions that led to the October 7th horrors. These include the fact that Netanyahu and his team were preoccupied with keeping the prime minister in power and out of jail. But David, for 20 years, this man has told the people of Israel, I'm keeping you safe. Only I can do it. I'm keeping you safe. And we know in 2019, he literally openly was propping up Hamas, saying keeping Hamas in power is the best way to keep an independent Palestinian state from happening. I've come to believe over the years, and more so now than ever, that both the Netanyahu regime and Hamas are locked in this codependent embrace. They're all wartime consigliaries. There'd be no use for either side if there was a just and lasting peace. They need this conflict and this hatred to keep themselves in power, both sides. Yeah, and look, I mean, Netanyahu's goal was to slowly destroy the Palestinian um, uh, uh, dream of its own state by carving away at the settle at 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 the West Bank and 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 allowing new settlements in there uh, by isolating Gaza, propping up Hamas, splitting Hamas from the PLO, um, yeah. uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera, because he thought this would weaken the Palestinians to the point that. You know, people wouldn't care about it. And then he cut deals in the region and said, look, see, we can even cut deals in the region. People don't care about this anymore. But of course, you can't just pretend that millions of Palestinians aren't there. You can't just pretend that you have denied them their rights um, uh, and that they are suffering under a two-tiered system of law. And, you know, Israelis will say to me, well, you know, this isn't true. If you're an Arab uh, living within the borders of Israel proper, you have all these rights. Well, maybe, but Israel controls the borders of the West Bank and Israel yes. controls the borders of Gaza. And those people don't have rights. They are living in an apartheid society. I resisted using that word for years and years, I criticized people using that word. But at the end of the day, if the shoe fits, you've got to wear it. And in this particular case, what they have done um, is uh, rendered the Palestinians into second class citizens and made the only thing that could lead to peace, which is what you just cited, which is a political settlement, settlement yeah. less and less likely. And if he wanted to make Israel secure, then he would have focused on a two-state solution. 
Uh, it's a it. message now that Joe Biden is bringing back. It's a message that other regional players are bringing back. Um, and I hope it's a message that takes because the Palestinians deserve the right of self-determination. They deserve to have their human rights respected within their own borders. Um, and uh, the the only way to undermine terrorist groups that say we must destroy Israel um, is to give people hope of a different sort. From what I've read in the Israeli press and, and different polls in the Jerusalem Post, it, it does seem like the majority of Israelis get it better than the majority of Americans. And they recognize that these aggressive anti-Palestinian actions from the Jewish nation state law to all these settlements and disputed territories have made the people of Israel less safe. Absolutely right. And and and, and by the way, I think the, the vast majority of American Jews believe that. Uh, that is why the vast majority of American Jews historically have supported Democrats and and not yeah. the 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 uh, MAGA Republicans that have sort of become fellow travelers with Netanyahu, uh, you know, and 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 so you got to ask yourself well, why do the MAGA Republicans can you know cleave so close to Netanyahu? And the answer is because of the evangelicals, because yeah. the evangelicals need Israel. That's in right. order to fulfill their end, end times That's dream of the rapture. All it is. Their Bible and, uh, and which, by the way, you know, doesn't end so well for the Jews. And, uh, you know, when they all go up to heaven and, the, you know, we're left with their well, abandoned automobiles. Well, um, half, but, the, half the Jews die and the other half have to convert. <laughs> it's a great. Yeah. And, well, and it's yeah. I mean, it's not it's not a great outcome. But, you know, who believes in this stuff? The Speaker of the House. That's right. The Speaker of the House doesn't believe in evolution. The Speaker Correct. of the House thinks the Earth was created a few thousand years ago. The Speaker of the House thinks that, you know, a, lo a love between two men is bestiality. That's the right. Speaker of the House thinks that there ought to be a biblical test for people holding high office in the United States, that they have to believe in his Bible, the Christian Bible, um, and and, you know, he he's made his first move to, you know, put forth some kind of support for a bill supporting Israel. Of course, he's done it in the most perverted possible way by saying, well, we have to, quote, pay for it with a cut mm -hmm. to the IRS, um, which, of course, if you cut the IRS, you actually lose revenue. So it doesn't exactly. pay for anything. You save um, 14 billion, but you pay 100 billion whatever it is, you know, the, I've heard a lot of estimates, but none of them are that you're saving money, you're spending more money. And, and, and so here you go, um, you know, with, uh, you know, the evangelicals driving um, uh, a, a big portion of US Israel policy. Um, and they're not that interested in facts. Correct. They're, they're not that interested in nuance. And I think, you know, this could have some impact on the election next year. It'll have a huge impact on the election. I want to ask you about it because, uh, you know, uh, they don't have a really big sense of what's actually in the New Testament they claim to follow as well. I have been talking all week about asking Republicans to cite one teaching of the Jewish Nazarene carpenter they claim to follow that uh, the new speaker has fought for in his career. No one can answer me because like the rest of the Republican Party, this character of Jesus is a prop they wave about to presume their own virtue while legislating against his 
inconveniently progressive teachings. And you nailed this better than I ever could in your new piece in the Daily Beast. Here's why Mike Johnson is more dangerous than Donald Trump. You say the most dangerous movement in American politics today is not Trumpism. It is Christo fascism. I could not agree with you more. It's why I talk about the Bible as much as I do to try to take away their spiritual camouflage because they don't actually follow the parts they pretend to follow. But let me ask you, as dangerous a figure as Mike Johnson is with a Democratic Senate and White House, uh, how dangerous is he? He does not want to have a government shutdown for his first time on the watch. And and I kind of get the feeling he's going to be a goldmine for Democratic fundraising. Well, he may be a goldmine for democratic fundraising. We don't know whether he's going to have a a government shutdown and we don't know what else he's going to stop. You know, he he could say, uh, you know, I'm not going to move off of where I stand on this uh, Israel funding bill. Uh, And it just doesn't get funded or Ukraine doesn't get funded. Uh, And other programs that we need don't get funded. U.S. national security is undermined. And, you know, that may benefit uh, Democrats in 2024 elections. Uh, and I think it will, by the way, I think Democrats will take back the House and this guy's tenure as speaker will be uh, short lived. But having said that, uh, in the interim, he can he can do a lot of damage. Um, and a lot of it's going to be performative stuff. Uh, let's have a national abortion ban. Uh, right. Let's have a ban on gay marriage. Uh, you know, I mean, and, and you've got to remember, and, and this is really where the stakes are going to be super high. This is the guy who led the effort um, for to challenge uh, Biden's results in the Electoral College. Uh, and were he to continue on as speaker after next year's election, you know that they would throw a spanner in the works if Biden won re-election. You know that they would try to 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 fiddle the result, and and I and I I just you know I, that's why it's critical that by January sixth of twenty twenty five, this dude is no longer the speaker, and these Republicans are no longer in charge of the House of Representatives, or yes, we are going to be in a world of hurt in terms of our democracy. Does it seem like uh, this guy Johnson is walking into the same exact trap? that Kevin McCarthy walked into on the eve of a government shutdown. He's really trapped. He's talking big now, you know, claiming, well, we'll, we'll, I mean, of course they're going to try and talk about cutting IRS funding. He takes his orders from Putin and from wealthy donors, which is why he wants to cut Ukrainian funding and why he does not want the IRS to be adequately funded to go after wealthy tax cheats. But he's on the verge of a government shutdown that he will not want assigned to him. He's still in his shiny new honeymoon period. If he does his job, and works with Democrats because he's got to put forth something that'll pass a Democratic House and this a Senate rather and this White House, he will enrage the MAGA caucus. It, it seems to me like he's walking very confidently into the same exact minefield Kevin McCarthy was destroyed by. Maybe so. I, I you know I just don't know. I saw that you know he had said at one point, well, no, I, I have a plan and we'll go and we'll you know extend, we'll do a continuing resolution and. Uh, all I need is, you know, to take a one percent haircut across the budget or something de minimis. And, and you know, I can live with that and then we'll move on. Well, maybe he'll do that. Maybe he'll maybe he'll be reasonable. But I have to say the only thing reasonable about Mike Johnson in the course of his career thus far has been 
you know, how he dresses, what he appears like, you know, his exterior. He has been as extreme as it gets. And Hakeem Jeffries has said this, but all you got to do is go and, you know, go listen to his podcast with his wife. Yeah. Which is just terrifying stuff or read some of the articles that he's written. Um, uh, This guy is on the fringe of the fringe. um, And yeah, he may, he may, you know, come a cropper like, like McCarthy did. Uh, My guess is they'll, they'll find a workaround on the, on the budget and then they'll move on to doing nothing over the course of 2024, except, you know, stunts, political stunts. Yeah. I agree with you. I, I, this man called for sentencing doctors who provide women with abortion care to hard labor. I, I don't think people are tired of being outraged about Roe v. Wade yet, David, but I do think this guy could drive a lot of young people and women to the polls next year. I, I think the Democrats are going to. And, and I think that's where the Democrats strength lies, to be perfectly honest with you next year. You know, you've got Biden and Trump running even in the polls. That's insanity, right? Trump's the worst president in history. Biden's one of the best presidents in history. I can prove it in terms of domestic legislation. I can prove it in terms of foreign policy. I can prove it in terms of leadership. I can prove it in terms of the ethics and the quality of the people I've got around him. But if it's a tie, what decides things? And at the end of the day, I think what's going to decide things is turnout. What is it that makes Gen Z go and vote? What is it that makes suburban women go and vote? That's what it. is it That's that makes it. people of color in cities show up and vote? And I think in all of those cases, the trials of Donald Trump, the performance art of Mike Johnson, um, uh, the excesses of the MAGA Republicans in terms of uh, you know what they seek, the, the the behavior of the Supreme Court with regard to abortion and and gay marriage and and other kinds of things i think these are the things that are going to turn people out and it real the top of the ticket while it's always important is not going to matter as much as people concerned about their freedoms being pared away by a mega movement that is just out of touch with most americans and uh, wants them to conform to a bunch of values that a tiny fraction of a fraction of extreme evangelical Americans hold. Amen. David Rothkopf, you always manage to talk me off a ledge while horrifying me at the same time. I've shared both of your pieces on Twitter, um, and it's always a great honor to have you join us. What is the best way for our listeners to follow you, sir, and keep up with all your work? You can follow me at DJ Rothkopf at um, what I still insist on calling Twitter or, uh, or on threads. Uh, or you can go to deepstateradio.com where we do probably, I don't know, 18 or 20 podcasts a week on, on policy issues. Uh, have a, I think this month we'll have a million downloads, which nice. is good, good for a little, good for a little, uh, policy oriented podcast company. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, and I write columns, uh, every week for the daily beast and every so often for her, it's another place. Always a pleasure, sir. I love your podcast, too. Thank you for joining us. Have a great evening. Happy Halloween. We are going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with your calls at 866-997-4748. This is Progress. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. 
There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. A new year is a new chance to focus on you. You're probably already picturing yourself struggling at the gym, but not all self-help has to mean suffering. Squeeze.com is making it easier than ever to elevate your wellness by delivering a juice cleanse right to your doorstep. It's the easiest juice cleanse you'll ever do that may aid in weight loss, eliminating bloating, clearing your skin, boosting your energy levels, improving sleep, and breaking bad eating habits. Meet all your health goals from the comfort of your home. Get free same-day local delivery or fast free delivery nationwide with code WONDERY today at squeezed.com. Bauhaus with Bella Lugosi's dead, Bella Lugosi's dead. which is so scary in the opening the scenes of the film The Hunger. The See, we're not going to play Monster Mash. We're going to play cool Halloween songs tonight. This is Sirius XM Progress. We're at 866-997-4748. I want to play, before I introduce our guest, a very brief clip of State Department spokesman Matt Miller earlier today. Because they asked him, is, is the U.S. taking Israel at their word when they describe the missile strikes like today's at the uh, Jabalia refugee camp? Here's what Matt Miller said. But if the IDF says, oh, there was a Hamas commander here, there was a Hamas commander there, is that sufficient? I'm just not going to I'm not going to get into hypotheticals or to, to uh, don't have the ability to comment on each individual strike. And is there any progress on the safe zones for civilians that were supposed to be stood up? It's, again, uh, an area that we continue to work through with it's that Ambassador Satterfield works on with the uh, <laughs> government of Israel, with uh, the United Nations, with other partners in the region about what is the best way to protect uh, the civilians who are inside Gaza. Meanwhile, as we mentioned earlier in the show, the pressure is growing on Joe Biden to call for a ceasefire. The National Muslim Democratic Council issued an ultimatum to the president and Democratic leaders vowing to mobilize Muslim, Arab and allied voters to withhold support in 2024 from any candidates who don't advocate for a ceasefire by 5 p.m. Eastern Time earlier today. I am so pleased to welcome one of our favorite guests back to the show. Nitha Khan is an independent journalist and producer. She's worked in print, radio, and TV. You may have read her stuff in Huffington Post or the New York Daily News, Essence Magazine, the Associated Press, or the Grio. She has a great new piece on Medium I highly recommend. It's very troubling, and it has to be read. President Biden just lost a big swath of his base. Uh, and when we talk about Muslim Americans, if you think that's not a significant voting bloc, Think about the state of Michigan. Nithikon, welcome back to SiriusXM. Thank you so much, John. And that's a lovely intro. You were too kind. Thank you. I always love coming on your show. So well, I thank you, including me in the conversation. Well, normally when I have you here, I pair you with all these ungodly comedians. So it's nice to just talk to you one on one about something. That's exactly. I love coming on with the comedians because it's so great to get some comic relief because this stuff and especially these days, these last couple of weeks, it's just so heavy, so depressing. You know, so it's nice to have that that relief. But I'm glad to talk to you. Well, let's 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 uh, weigh into that a little bit more. Um, you know, you begin your new piece in Medium by saying you got a text from your mom saying he's not getting my vote. And I know that for many Palestinian Americans or Arab Americans or the larger Muslim American community, um, 100 million in humanitarian aid isn't quite enough when 
most objective observers can say there's no military solution. There's no violence solution to this conflict. And if Hamas's ungodly violence isn't a solution, neither is Israel's. What have your friends and loved ones been telling you since this counterinsurgency war began? Exactly. And I think you stated it perfectly. You know, there was a poll that actually came out today about the Arab American vote, just specifically that vote. And that there was so between 2020, it was something like 60 percent voted for Biden. And that support has dropped to 17 percent just in these last few weeks. And that is, you know, just that's quantifying to just the Arab American vote. But I wrote about the larger Muslim vote and then even beyond that, the youth vote, because if you look at the majority of young people, even before this current whatever you want to call it, crises, horror, horrificness that we're witnessing, even before these last few weeks, majority of young people in poll after poll were for Palestinian rights, were for a two state solution, were for giving aid. They were not for supporting you know, more death and destruction, more and giving ammunitions. And the Biden administration, pretty much the crux of my piece was that they are so out of touch with this and out of touch with a big swath of the public. And they are not paying attention to the sentiments on the ground. You know, for so long, it's been the status quo. And President Biden is surrounded by much of the old guard and the status quo. And they're out of tune with these young people who, let's not forget, they propelled, they helped propel him into office. And they also helped during midterms greatly, and they are the largest voting bloc. So they're being ignored. And then as far as the Arab Muslim vote, when you you mentioned Michigan, states like Pennsylvania, Virginia, I mean, it could totally switch the election over to, I hate to even say it, but you know who, who will remain nameless or mention him, Trump, which is very scary. And you know, it's interesting, by the way, when I wrote this piece, the response that I got, I was called everything from a terrorist to a Trumper to a Russian agent. And I'm like, I don't know which one is the most insulting out of all of those. It's ridiculous. And then, of course, lots of other people are talking about it now and writing about it now. But when, you know, the brown Muslim woman wrote it, she was automatically a terrorist or, you know, a Trumper or something crazy. And, you know, it's it's really insulting on so many levels that you're watching thousands and thousands of innocent civilians being murdered, right, being killed, state sanctioned murder, and majority of them are Muslim. And then on the flip side, Muslims are also being silenced and not being able to express how they feel. You're seeing free speech being criminalized. It's so disgusting on so many levels. And it's, you know, and this is why I think there is a sentiment within the larger Muslim community that, you know, we can't co-sign this, we can't go along with it. Now, I personally am not saying that, nor did I say it in my piece, but I understand where that anger and frustration is coming from, because how can you sign this level of mass murder? And honestly, at this point, I don't even think I could convince my own mother to participate in the election. Uh, I don't think I could convince her to vote for Joe Biden. It's just not going to happen. And that is where where we are. And this is what, you know, the Biden administration is just not paying enough attention to. And they're out of touch with a big swath of the base. And it's going to be very, very troubling. Honestly, I think at this point, the Dems are going to have to put up a new candidate. I think he may have to bow out. I'm saying it now, a year out, I think they're going to have to find a new Democratic nominee if there's any chance for the Democrats to hold on. Because people just cannot, you can't sit back, John. It's so, I mean, honestly, it's hard to even process and talk about. You know, you're looking at the videos, you're looking at kids. I mean, over, they're saying close to 4,000 children now that have been killed. Yes. And a 
to save the children. It's in these few weeks, more children have been killed than the amount of all kids in global conflicts That's since correct. 2019. And there are thousands more that are still wounded, thousands more that are underneath the rubble that people cannot even get to. You know, you have rescue workers doing amazing, phenomenal jobs because they don't have equipment or if they do have equipment, there's no fuel to run the equipment. So they're literally digging through their hands, trying to get to people and save lives. And then when those folks are brought to these hospitals that are overwhelmed, beyond overwhelmed, patients in the hallways, patients outside the hospitals, doctors performing surgeries on hospital floors and performing surgeries and amputations without anesthesia, without equipment, even on children. Like, can you just imagine that for a second? Amputations on a child on a hospital floor without anesthesia. I mean, it's the level of depravity and inhumanity is beyond anything that I thought I would even see. And I've been writing about civilian deaths from the war on terror and war in general for a very long time. And this is even more than I could have ever even imagined. It's so horrific. There's a lot to unpack in what you just said, and I think you're exactly right. I don't believe the Israeli bombing campaign is making Israeli citizens any safer. And um, I've thought for a long time that both uh, Hamas, who I despise, and Netanyahu, who I despise, are locked in this codependent embrace because they each need the other to stay in power. Hamas doesn't care about the people of Palestine. They care about power. Netanyahu doesn't care about the people of Israel. He cares about power. If peace broke out, both parties would become irrelevant. But I I wanted to get back. Let's something not, you said. Go okay, ahead. sorry. Just one thing. And let's not forget, yeah. Netanyahu helped embolden Hamas, right? He so propped he, them up. He propped, he propped them, up. them up. He allowed millions no of dollars to get yes. funneled because, because he wanted they, they made his job safer. He could come out and say, look at those scary Hamas. Look at them. I'm keeping you safe from them. Let's keep them in power so I can keep on saying that and keep my job. And then, of course, in 2019, he came out and said, we have to keep Hamas in power to avoid even having a discussion of a Palestinian state. Egypt exactly. warned him this was about to come. And again, these protests against him. In Israel, it's not just young people and leftists like it was early in the year. It's all walks of Israeli life. He's done like disco. I'm with you. But I want to go back to what you said earlier in, in your in your uh, first response, because this Pew Research poll that came out a year ago, and you quote it in your excellent piece in Medium, it shows that young Americans, uh, when it comes to the Palestinian government and the Israeli government, they two, two, two out of three disapprove. 35% view Palestinian government favorably, 34% Israeli government favorably. But it also shows that U.S. adults under 30 view the Palestinian people as warmly as they view Israeli people. And then you put, to pointed out in the Reuters Ipsos poll last week showed 34% of Americans believe Hamas is responsible for the current conflict, 58% of older Americans. And what gets me there is this really does. I mean, we talk a lot about the 9-11 comparisons, but I'm beginning to see some generational Vietnam War comparisons because people under 40 have a very different idea of what's causing this destructive conflict than people over 40, which I found to be quite fascinating. 
Exactly. And that was pretty much the crux of my piece that, you know, not only the Arab Muslim vote, but that younger vote. And, you know, and a big part of this is also, you know, young folks don't get a lot of times they don't get their news from traditional outlets. Right. So unfortunately, I mean, part of this and I'm just keeping it real here, you know, because I call out a lot of these networks and outlets where they'll sure. have tons of IDF spokespeople. They won't even have one Palestinian on or anybody else to talk about anything. And it's always been a very one sided conversation. And you saw Queen Rania saying that, too, that in the West, you know, it's been just humanizing one side, dehumanizing another. And it's been a very imbalanced convo. So this is the first time where young people, they're getting, you know, these reports from the ground directly from people who are there. They have friends from everywhere. They're interconnected. They're much more global and they're able to bypass a lot of the narrative that has been very controlled for a really long time. You know, and I think for a lot a lot of Americans, too, this is the first time where they're learning about Israel. Exactly. Exactly. Is the Young underlying people know issue. more. Exactly. What is the underlying issue? What have Palestinians been fighting for? What are trying to achieve, you know, on freedom and self-determination? And then even with, you know, what I find amazing that these protests that you're seeing. So it's, yes, multiracial, but you're also seeing members of the Jewish community that are very, very openly standing in solidarity with this saying not in our name and calling for a ceasefire. Because like you said, well, number one, on a human level, I don't think any normal human being can co-sign this, right? Like nobody can co-sign what happened to the hostages. Nobody can co-sign this death and destruction. If you're a decent human being, you just cannot do that. And then secondly, what you mentioned that this does not make anybody safer. It doesn't make Palestinians safer. It doesn't make Israelis safer. It doesn't make the region safer and it doesn't make the world safer. And, you know, I did an interview a couple of weeks ago where I was talking about that this is unfortunately going to be used by people to radicalize them more in places around the world. And you're seeing that as well too and then on the flip side you have a backlash against muslims here you're seeing also anti-semitism rising yeah you know you saw so according to care which is the council on american islamic relations it's something like 700 i think 775 incidents reported just in these last few weeks including the murder of a six-year-old boy who was stabbed to death 26 times in Illinois, you had a mosque that was vandalized in Boston, a guy that was beat up, a Palestinian guy that was beat up in Brooklyn. You had, a, a, I believe it was in Queens, a Sikh who had their turban attacked or something was said to them. So again, it's a lot of PTSD from post 9-11. There were a lot of Sikhs that were you know, attacked also because people thought they were Muslim. So it was like the rise in Muslim attacks and then anybody who was deemed other. And it's getting to the point where like, I'm going to be honest, even when I walk around now, I feel certain looks, depending on where I'm walking, where it just feels uncomfortable. And it harkens back to that. You know, it's sad that I was just on your show about a month and a half ago, and we were talking about all of this and like, you know, post 9-11, the Islamophobia, the backlash, and just lessons learned. And here we are again in just a matter of a few weeks. And I think for, you know, Palestinians, absolutely. And I'm, you know, I'm not Palestinian, but I'm Muslim. But I've written and talked about this issue for years and years and years. And so I think for a lot of Palestinians and for the broader Muslim community, it's just so exhausting to constantly have to prove your humanity to people, constantly say that our lives matter. And I think, unfortunately, because there has been such an effective campaign of demonizing the community for so many years that a lot of people just look at Muslims as violent, as terrorists, or and then they they never look at them as victims. They look at them as the perpetrators of violence. 
violence or somehow deserving of this violence. And that's why it's so easy for people to go ahead and ignore civilian deaths and say, oh, you know, hey, it's war, it's going to happen. You know, and yeah. you have some who, let's not forget, Netanyahu is an ultra right wing nationalist who has made genocidal statements even very recently. But, but we, let's be let's be let's be that. fair. Hamas is also deeply right wing, deeply misogynist, deeply homophobic. Absolutely. And they're as genocidal as they come as well. I mean, I, I have to condemn both Absolutely. sides on this one. Absolutely. But, you know, we are sending 14 billion dollars to exactly. Netanyahu, whatever. And so that is me, why by not putting any sort of restraints on Netanyahu and just pretty much giving him carte blanche, you know, to do whatever. That is where he really messed up, you know, so standing in our, there. It, let me let me ask you then, because we only have about three minutes left. Um, okay. Here's the big question. It's a year from now. If Muslim Americans are faced with a choice of Joe Biden who presumably will call for a ceasefire at some point, who has authorized $100 million to go to uh, Palestinian relief, or Donald Trump, who's calling for a full Muslim ban entering the country. It's very scary. Where will Muslim Americans go? I mean, I I, I kind of feel like... Go ahead, please. I think they will, you know, like, that's what I'm saying. I think a lot of them will either sit up the election or even vote third party. That is... Even if that means means electing Trump. And that is what I'm truly scared of because I know that that will obviously be worse for us and worse for everybody here domestically. But I think the level of disgust, especially if this drags on even longer and longer and you see the death toll climb, and if Biden does not call for a ceasefire, if he does not do more to stop this, to put some sort of conditions on Netanyahu and- Then let me, you know, let me ask you the, the, the million dollar question there. The, what does Joe Biden need to do between now and next November- to guarantee he has the Muslim American vote. He needs to call for an immediate ceasefire and then work towards getting Netanyahu and independent other par- parties to work towards a diplomatic solution. Like the underlying cause of all of this must be resolved. If there's any glimmer of, I can't even say hope right now because it's just so horrific. If there's any glimmer of anything, it's that actually resolving the underlying issue and having like a real two state solution or some sort of diplomatic solution, empowering moderates, not empowering extremists, and also not having right-wing ultranationalists in power. There needs to be, that's the only way there's ever going to be peace in the region, or peace anywhere for that matter. Nitha Khan, it's always a pleasure having you with us. Thank you so much. You bring so so much much sensitivity to this. What's the best way for our audience to follow you in all your work? Um, I guess on Twitter, X, whatever we want to call it, it's uh, Ed Nithakon <laughs> NY. So it's N-I-D-A-K-H-A-N-N-Y. And thank you so much for having me, John. Brilliant. Thank you so very much. we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back with your calls. And for the next hour, we have open phones. We're asking you, what was the first horror movie to terrify you? What was the scariest film you ever saw? We really want to know. We'll talk politics and the world's on fire, but we also, it's still Halloween. What scares you in fiction? 866-997-4748. We'll be right back. This is SiriusXM Progress. I'm John saying Thanks for joining us. Our number is 866-997-4748. 866-997-GRIT. We hope you've had a lovely Halloween. If you've avoided Halloween, we hope you've had a lovely last day of October. 
We are taking your calls for the next hour. It's going to be total open phones at 866-997-GRIT. Obviously talking about the new Speaker of the House, obviously talking about Donald Trump's never-ending legal trouble, and obviously talking about what seems to be the latest war with no end between Israel and Palestine, 866-997-4748. Really quick, I just want to play a quick clip. This is FBI Director Christopher Wray. Uh, He was also at the Senate today, and he was telling the Homeland Security and the Government Affairs Committee about the potential for hate crimes now and terrorism here in the U.S., Here in the United States, our most immediate concern is that violent extremists, individuals or small groups, will draw inspiration from the events in the Middle East to carry out attacks against Americans going about their daily lives. That includes not just homegrown violent extremists inspired by a foreign terrorist organization, but also domestic violent extremists targeting Jewish or Muslim communities. We've already seen that with the individual we arrested last week in Houston who'd been studying how to build bombs and posted online about his support for killing Jews. And with the tragic killing of a six-year-old Muslim boy in Illinois in what we're investigating as a federal hate crime. But as I said a few moments ago, on top of the homegrown violent extremists and domestic violent extremists threat, we also cannot and do not discount the possibility that Hamas or another foreign terrorist organization may exploit the current conflict to conduct attacks here on our own soil. Whew, more good news. Okay, on the lighter side, it is Halloween. We hope you've had a great one. And uh, the question for the evening is, of course, uh, what is the scariest horror film you ever saw? What is the best horror film you ever saw? Or what was the first film that ever terrified you? When you were a child, um, for me, I think it was uh, a combination. First, it was Beatles' Yellow Submarine. I was four years old. The babysitter let me watch it when it was on TV. And the scene where the Beatles turned into babies in the sea of time and then became really old, I was out. Terrifying. Also, though, it was, uh, and again with a babysitter, I was allowed to watch when I was five, uh, The Incredible Shrinking Man, written by Ray Harryhausen, uh, where the astronaut shrinks and he winds up Falling into the basement, the wife thinks he's dead. He has to fight a spider to stay alive. I'm sorry for a little kid in the late 70s. This was terrifying. And um, I never forgot it. Great, great film. Um, we've already had people weigh in on Twitter with the scariest films of all time. Uh, Morgie says The Haunting, the 1963 version. Gutsy call. Uh, a lot of votes already for The Shining and The Exorcist. Bruce Goldberg says uh, Nicholas Rogue's Don't Look Now, which is a very scary film with Donald Sutherland. I would say even scarier would be Donald Sutherland in uh, the remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which also scared the hell out of me. We want to know what you guys think. Again, we're at 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT. And you don't have to talk about scary movies. We can just talk about how scary the world is right now. Let's go to the phones. Uh, Edward in Arizona, you've been waiting on hold the longest. Thank you for your patience. You're on progress. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, I think uh, I have to say the exorcist, the original exorcist. Yeah, uh, that that was some scary stuff because it was, in my eyes, it was real. That yeah. really can happen. You yeah, know? so that they, made, that you they made you believe it. They made you believe it. If you believe in the devil, you you'll know it's real. You know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's a terrifying, but really well made movie. Of, still, still great. Fifty years later, just great and realistic and believable and scary. I never could watch to the end of it. 
It just didn't, it just didn't, I couldn't get, I had to sleep with the lights on after that. You know? <laughs> Great <laughs> cinema. Then, I mean, that was some scary stuff, you know? Oh, uh, we had Ellen Burson on the show, and all I could do was just, just gush to her about how incredible her performance is, because she didn't play it as she was in a horror movie. She played it as she was doing a real drama, and it's a great performance. Right. But I would like to also touch base on the fact that I think there's going to be, this 2024, mark my words, is going to be very different. I yeah. think everybody's going to vote for Kennedy. This will be the first mm. independent election. Yeah. And let me tell you why. Kennedy appeals to moderate Republicans and as a great alternative to, uh, to Biden. Biden is like people of the younger generation see what we see is the older people creating a hell for us and they won't even be here 20 years from now They'll be yeah how's, how's biden creating how's gone. biden create how's we biden have, creating the hell how's biden creating the hell for us he, though because he keeps funding he keeps funding israel in this war instead of stepping in and saying hey hey we cease fire let's come to the table let's talk they've already killed so many people, and it's kind of going have. on and on. You watch CNN, it, it's been a revealing, and I think people don't realize that the status quo in this new age of knowledge where willful ignorance is a choice. Yeah. You have so many mediums to get information now to the point where people know the truth. You can't hide it. CNN, the lapdogs on all these liberal media show that claim to be liberal we're starting to see none of them claim to be none of them claim to be liberal my friend none of them claim to be liberal i get what you're saying kind of cnn kind of leans towards you know center left and then fox is all the way lunatic right and then msnbc is all the way left no they're not all the way left at all i'm sorry my friend msnbc is not all the way left they're pro-democratic party they're not left they're not they're not talking about climate change they're not talking about unions they're you know they're we just agree to not disagree that's my opinion but but what the revealing is that you, no matter what, at one thing that all those news organizations have in common, they give a one-sided, they've given nothing but a one-sided view on the situation in Israel right now. I you wouldn't say all of them. The I, I got to say, I, I wouldn't say all of them. Mehdi Hassan, Mehdi Hassan has been great. Saying the same thing. All the, we, Not all the of them. Politicians, all we, all we stand with Israel no matter what they do and all this and this and that. Not all of them. I'm a, uh, yeah, all of them, uh, they rarely get, uh, I've been watching them. I got the little split screens. I've I'm with you, I'm with you, but Mehdi Hassan, I Mehdi Hassan. A, uh, I never see a Palestinian get an opportunity to be on the right to talk about what it is. And even online, if you say anything that I goes know. against the narrative, I get called an anti-Semite. Because I get called an anti-Semite, I get called an Islamophobe, I get called both every day, just I know, because, because I... Just Right, just because when you're wrong, you're wrong. But you can't fight fire with fire. This is going to make so many... It, Israel has made enemies they never had. I know. This, this is going to be a pyrrhic victory for them. Meaning yeah. the, the, the victory for them of decimating Hamas or the uh, Palestinian people is going to be so great that the whole world has turned against them. Well, I don't want the whole. I, I don't. I, in the same way anymore because I. Well, what I want is well, I want Hamas to be replaced by Palestinian leadership. Everywhere. 
Listen, hanging posters everywhere are missing people just to get sympathy. It's propaganda. That's like no, it's not. No, 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 my friend. No, I gotta fight you. I gotta fight you on that. No, missing pictures of people in North Dakota and New Zealand. Dude, yeah, I'm gonna. New Zealand, do it. All right, are you gonna let me talk, my friend? Can I? Can I participate here? I'm. I'm. You're. You're gonna lose me on that. I will criticize the leadership of Israel. I will criticize the leadership of Hamas. I will not criticize people putting up signs of the kidnapped 200 to remind people that these folks are still missing almost a month later. I'm sorry, that's very different. People okay, caring about, about hostages. People, the videos, the actual videos of we see random Israeli people kidnapping Palestinians. Duck that's them, wrong, too. That's horrible. Okay, yes, that is evil, too. Them off into nowhere. I mean, that is evil as well. Shit out of them on camera. Yes, that is evil as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. That's nothing. It's nothing different than Guantanamo, what they were doing to the people of Guantanamo. And, I, see, and it's the same bullshit. Yetanyahu uh, knew about this. He cleared yes. the area. Israel has one of the best security forces of any nation. I know, but I, ready for they were warned about it, too. To okay, let me let me see and what we can agree on. Hang on, hang on. This was his 9-11. All right. Let me just see what we can agree on here, Edward. Edward, really quick. Can we agree that Palestine deserves to have their own independent state with control of their own borders? I agree. One hundred. Everybody has a right. Can we agree that Palestine family right on? Can we can we agree that Palestine, once they have this, needs to recognize Israel's right to exist? Yes. Can we agree that Israel deserves to live in peace and security beside their neighbor, Palestine? Yes, they do. But this is, can I say what the problem is? I got one more question, then I'll let you. I got one more question. Can we agree that both Israel and Palestine deserve better leadership that doesn't require fear of the other to hold on to power? I 100% agree with you. Your show, is, I watch your show amongst any other show, or listen you. to your show amongst any other show, because you're one of the most fair-minded people that I can I try. on radio right now. I try. And I'm not being a bootlick or anything, I'm just calling no, you're not. spade to spade. Right on. Uh, no, and, we're fair and, and biased. That's why I called and waited on to be on your show to voice my well, opinion. I'm honored like, you would. I'm a barbershop owner, one of the biggest barbershop owners in Arizona. And I'll tell you, the conversation is Kennedy is looking good. He, yeah, he's listen, got that good policy. He has the name recognition. I, yeah, he has the, no, he's a better no. choice than uh, Bernie Sanders. No, uh, he's not. Um, you're going to be. I, I, I you're hate to disagree with. No, I listen. I know Robert Kennedy. I've I've worked with him many times over the years. He's been on this the show. I, I like what, him. What have they done? What have they done for the black community? At least, at least Trump talked you, at us. And, and, hang on and a we, second. What have they done for the black community? This is, is this. What is have they done for the black community? Do you want to talk? Can we start with Barack Obama? Can we start? We can we start with? Crumbs. We want oh, you're not going to let me participate, are you? No, he's done. He's not letting go me talk. Ahead, go, ahead, go, ahead, right. go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, re- really quick, I'll just say that under Barack Obama, you had the lowest black unemployment in history. You had he cut black unemployment in half and the lowest rate of black uninsured people in half. Biden put two point two billion dollars for black farmers and build back better. He invested seven billion dollars in uh, HBCUs. He cut black childhood poverty in half with the child tax credit, and he sued the banks for hundreds 
hundreds of millions for redlining black neighborhoods and forced them to adhere to consent decrees for lending. And he sent six hundred million to Jackson, Mississippi, to fix the water infrastructure because Republicans were blocking it. I got to disagree with you on there. Joe Biden has a record of incredible achievement. Robert Kennedy, who I like very much, is being funded by right wing people so he can take votes away from Biden. A vote for Kennedy in a swing state is a vote to make Donald Trump president again. You're not going to agree with me, but let's see where we are a year from now. I respect you and I appreciate the call. I got to go. I want to talk to more people, but thank you so much for joining us. We're at 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT. Fred in Kentucky, thank you for waiting. You're on progress. Uh, pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, sir. Actually, when you first got on the radio, it took me a minute to get used to you, but I said, this guy's for real. Oh, it takes a long time to deal. get used to me. I'm, I'm difficult on he, so many levels, my friend. He, you don't even know. He's the real deal, and he, he don't he don't lie. He tell it like it is. I oh, used to you. listen. I used to look at Bill Maher. He changed. I used to listen to uh, uh, Rush Limbaugh when he was on AM way back in the day. When really? Uh, yes, way back in the day on, on AM. Yes, I, I mean, did. My dad used to listen to Rush Limbaugh just to yell at the radio. That was cardio for my father. But but <laughs> thank you. Well, well, it was it was it was crazy back then, and and that was during the same time. The gentleman I can't remember his name when he said, "And now you know the rest of the story." Okay, I don't either. What is his name? You got the wrong guy. I, I, I'm not an expert on right wing radio. <laughs> okay, what's on your mind but tonight? It, anyway, when I was younger, I was I, I was frightened with Lon Chaney and them. With the yeah, me too. Frankenstein, uh, me the too. Wolfman, uh, uh, um, uh, the, um, Boris Karloff, the Opera. Yes. Oh, yeah, Phantom of the Opera. Yes. Uh, me too. I saw yes. all those Universal movies. I saw all. There's like four different Hunchbacks. There's four different Phantom of the Operas. I saw all of them as a kid. No kidding. And oh, then, yeah. and then came along um, um, the picture of Dorian Gray, the, yeah. the original. Yeah. Now, now that scared me bald. But then came along the movie called The Entity. Ooh, deep cut. Gutsy call, man. Yeah. Oh, oh <laughs> man. I mean, I mean, I was just scared out of my wits on that movie there. That's a scary one. But yes, 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 without a doubt. And uh, the young lady, she was talking uh, about... Uh, the election that uh, a lot of people won't be voting for Biden. Yes. Well, that the, some that's, Muslims that's might not trouble. be voting for Biden. I know it is, but I, I don't think they'll feel that way a year from now. I think a year from now, if your choice is Biden or Trump, it's going to be very easy for people to vote for Biden again. Okay. Well, well thanks for letting me on. I appreciate oh, you. And keep up the good work. Thank you so much. You're so kind. God bless you for your low standards in broadcasting. I, I love it. Thank you so much. And then and, and also, one more thing is that uh, Tell me. I, I, I wish that God would bless this world. We, we're so we're in chaos everywhere. Big oh, my friend, God everywhere. has blessed the world. God has blessed the world. But now it's up to us, right? Yeah. The only thing keeping us from creating heaven on earth is us. God, God, God yeah. gave us this creation. We are choosing to defile it. We're choosing to hate each other. We're choosing to make it harder for the people who need the most help. I, listen, God's not going to save it's, us. Jesus it, is not going to so save much. us. And so Gandhi much. and Batman yeah. aren't going to save us. It's going to be us that saves us. And, and only our appeal so to humanity right. can do it. 
Well, thank you. You're so right. I appreciate your call. Well, bless everybody. I agree. Especially the people we hate. Bless them the most. Because if you hate somebody, it's only going to hurt yourself. Thank you so much for calling us. We're at 866-99... Oh, man, we have nice nice people listen to this show. Who knew? 866-997-4748. 866-997-GRIT. Before the break, let me go to Earl in California. Earl, thank you for waiting on hold. You're on progress. Good. Uh, happy Halloween, John. Thanks. You too. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm reminded listening to uh, the, uh, the Arizona barbershop uh, uh, brother uh, that uh, that uh, that uh, lyric from from that ministry song yes every day is Halloween, mm-hmm. Halloween <laughs> that's or, right mm-hmm. <laughs> right Dang on it. it's scary enough well yeah and and to me he you know I I've listened to and talk or try to have conversations with everyone I meet, you know. Right on, and me too. Especially, especially with people on, on the on the right side of things, you know. You got to try. Uh, but yeah, you, you're right, you know. And and my religion tells me you have to do that, you know. Yep. Uh, yep. It's just that I'm not sure that my Christianity is the same thing as you know Mike Johnson's. I'm with you, brother. I, I've I've read the New Testament many times. I've read the, the Gospels many times. I don't really see much of Jesus' teachings in what right-wing American Christianity fights for. I, I, I don't. And I'm always happy to discuss Scripture with them because I, 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 I know what they believe. Uh, I just don't see Christian values lining up with the values of Christ. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I want to discuss with you uh, how to recognize a, uh, uh, I, I'm sure you know. and um, A troll? Yeah, a troll. Um, okay. Because, you know, it seems to me like, you know, trolls are, are just, you know, a, a, a specialized, uh, uh, I don't know if you can call it a, um, a, uh, a avocation or a vocation, but, you know, trolls are, are, are a specialized form of liars. Yeah. And they, and they, and with all liars, they tend to talk fast. You know, they just, that's right. They don't let you get a word in. Edgewise. And while you're correcting the first lie, they've told seven more. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's how you recognize a troll or, or any other type you, of You know how you know them on the radio? Can I tell you how you recognize them on the radio? I've learned over the years. They always have the same line when it's someone who's a troll just calling to, you know, mess with you or a paid troll or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's always the same thing. They say, uh, you know, I've never heard your show before. Just flipping around the channels and came across it. Anytime someone yeah. says that, you always know exactly what's coming and it's never a surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that, 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 that also another line they have is, uh, oh, uh, I'm, I'm an independent or... Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I like to listen to both sides. Uh, or, oh, uh, you know, it's, it's always that. You know, they always preface, you know, something before before they start with the uh, the BS. Nice. And, man. Yep. Yeah, you got it. You but, nailed it. And most good, of them are I'm just bored. I, Mo- most of them I, are just bored. I don't see how. There's a lot of things to take care of, serious things we, we got you know, on, on our plate, you know, all of us as humans got on a plate that yeah. we take care of. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right, man. 
Well, uh, thank you for the troll tips. I do appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, and even the trolls, I and, and everyone gets mad at me. I make Chris and Thea crazy because I try to engage in them, engage with them and try to talk reason. And they, they don't come for reason. They they come to hate. And, uh, you know, but I, if I can make it entertaining, I'll, I'll, I'll tussle with them a little bit. Earl, thank you so much for your call. We got to go. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Thea. I'm John Fugelson. Keep it tuned to Sirius XM Progress. Peace. Peace.